In the days following Super Tuesday, perhaps you have found yourself as many other Americans have, scratching your head in utter confusion, or you are in a seemingly undying fear for the future of our great nation. In the summer of 2015, few would have bet on the presidential run of Donald J. Trump to stick around in the coming year, let alone that it would be dominating the race leading with 380 delegates to rival Ted Cruz, trailing with 300. Perhaps even fewer would have expected Hillary Clinton to be far ahead of Bernie Sanders and the Feel the Burn movement, thanks in part to strong support of superdelegates, which currently gives Clinton 1,123 to Bernie Sanders 484. Even worse... The Democratic Party has been deep in questionable practices to keep Hillary ahead, while the Republican Party seems to be in a rift that may well bring an attempt to strong-arm the convention away from Donald Trump. Though there still may be time for the winds to change, this has caused many Americans to think hard about the decisions that very well may be left on the table that they very well may be stuck with. A candidate riddled with a questionable business history of failure and scandal whose rhetoric taps into anger, hate, and frustration. And one candidate who most assuredly has the backing of the Democratic establishment despite being wrapped up in a highly controversial email scandal. This has brought forth two volatile mindsets support one to defeat the other. It is because of this great possibility that I feel compelled to tell you the story of Gary Johnson. Johnson was born in 1953, and in his childhood his family moved to New Mexico. There he attended the University of New Mexico in 1974, paying his way through college as a door-to-door handyman, a business venture he would establish in 1976 as Big J Enterprises, and would eventually grow to a profitable business employing over 1,000 people. After graduating with a degree in political science and steadily growing his company, Johnson set his eyes on the governorship of New Mexico in 1994, his first steps into the political world. His Republican elders at the time had reportedly urged him to run for state legislature due to his inexperience and especially considering his stance against the drug war. Johnson, ever the achiever, ignored these urges and spent $500,000 of his own money to enter the race, eventually winning the general election with nearly 50% of the vote to incumbent Bruce King's 40% at a time when the state's voter registration was 2 to 1 Democratic. Johnson garnered praise on his platform of a common-sense business approach to government. His motto was people before politics. In his first term, he vetoed 200 bills out of the 424 proposals that came across his desk, all within the first six months in office, the highest rate in the nation, earning him the nickname Vito Johnson or Governor Vito. Johnson would again run for governor, winning 55% to 45%. During his second term, he built his platform around a statewide school voucher system that ultimately did not pass despite his best efforts to push it forward. 
He also gained notoriety for being one of the highest ranking officials in the United States to advocate for the legalization and taxation of marijuana, claiming the war on drugs was an expensive bust comparable to the days of alcohol prohibition. He garnered praise for his handling of a huge state crisis in the Cerro Grande fire, which put a national spotlight on not only him, but the state of New Mexico. In the year 2000, the Libertarian Party solicited Johnson for a presidential run, but he declined at that time, citing that he was a Republican governor who had no interest in the presidency. Having met term limits in 2003, being ineligible to run again for governor, he left New Mexico with a large surplus, having cut taxes several times over and reducing the size of government and the increase in spending in government over his terms as governor a track record that has been arguably praised nationwide. Following his time in office, he found himself supporting and campaigning for Ron Paul in 2008 for sharing his limited government maximum freedom views. He also took up ventures in serving on the Advisory Council for Students for Sensible Drug Policy and on the Board of Directors for the Students of Liberty, a libertarian nonprofit organization. After several years of being questioned, Johnson finally announced that he would be running for president and was even featured on the debate stage with the likes of candidates Herman Cain, Ron Paul, Tim Pawlenty, and Rick Santorum, none of whom would go on to claim the nomination. Unfortunately, Johnson was just a little too left socially than the Republican establishment liked and subsequently only appeared in one other debate that did feature eventual nominee Mitt Romney. On December 28, 2011, Johnson announced he would be withdrawing his name from the Republican nomination and in fact taking up the solicitation from so many years ago from the Libertarian Party. The goal was hoping to achieve 5% of the popular vote, which would effectively give the Libertarian Party equal ballot access in all 50 states and allow access to federal funding Johnson would go on to win nearly 1.3 million votes and 1% of the popular vote overall. A Libertarian Party record and touted by Johnson himself, saying, ours is a mission accomplished. On January 6, 2016, amid the madness and chaos of this election, Johnson announced he again was seeking the nomination of the Libertarian Party. Along with that, he revealed that the Libertarian Party and Green Party initiated a lawsuit against the Federal Election Commission for practices that have effectively excluded third-party candidates from the national debate stage. Because of all of this, I would ask that we slow ourselves down, take a step back, and ask, who do we really want sitting in the chair behind the Resolute desk in the Oval Office? All I ask is that you give Gary Johnson at least some consideration. All music courtesy of bensound.com. Now that that's out of the way and the tables are cleared, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, again to another edition of the Fritzcast. And what are we going to talk about this week? There is so much on my mind. I watched a Democratic debate last night, and I got some things to say about that. There was also a Republican one, and can you believe this? There's two more coming up. When will the madness end? 
I don't know. There's that. There's uh, there's some interesting developments going on in the Hillary email scandal deal. There's uh, there's despicable news stories, and by despicable, we'll actually cover the angles in a little bit. And uh, you know, Donald Trump's ridiculous statement of the week and more, all right here. This is Fritzcast. And indeed, we're just going to dive right on into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another week of a Fritzcast. That uh, that opening, completely unsolicited. Um, I just it was last week in the madness of all the political mayhem going on. I, I sat down and I was really contemplating. You know, I've been pushing these. Uh, the I've been pushing the videos of Gary Johnson. I've been pushing videos of Gary Johnson. Did I just say that? I probably did. Uh, but I've been pushing posts, videos, you know, whatever I can find on Gary Johnson. I, I was left with a question to myself. What if the tides turn and Ted Cruz wins the nomination? Or or what if the GOP does like a brokered convention? Let's let's actually start there. If the GOP, it, say Donald Trump wins the nomination, which is still up in the air. It's, not, it's no guarantee that Donald Trump takes the nomination. There's still a lot of election time left. Uh, and Ted Cruz was only trailing by uh, about 80 delegates right now. It's not. It's not solid. It's not a solid lead for Donald Trump at all. For how much power and steam he's had, you would figure he has, you know, at least a solid 150 or, or 200 delegates over. He's only 80 over. But if the GOP, in some kind of power move, like Donald Trump wins enough delegates for the nomination, and the GOP tries to strong arm it away from him, that would be no better than. Uh, the Democrats and superdelegates giving Hillary the nomination. If I don't support Democrats and superdelegates, I can't support the GOP. For as much as I don't want Donald Trump and I hate Donald Trump, I can't back the establishment trying to uh, set the choices. I'll give that to Donald Trump supporters. Uh, if, If he gets enough delegates and wins the nomination, he's the nominee. We can't broker a convention we can't split the party we can't do the civil war business with with everything we can't do it it's not going to accomplish anything other than more divide that's part of the reason why my focus is so on gary johnson right now i don't believe that we could reconfigure the republican party anymore just as if you were a democrat and for bernie and you can see the establishment pushing for hillary you know, your party is just as screwed as our party. And I don't see the problem being solved in the parties. I don't see a restructuring of the party doing anything. I'm looking at Gary Johnson and the Libertarians because they they really are the outcast party. They're the party that's been stomped on. That little bit at the end of the uh, intro there on uh, Gary Johnson, uh, the Libertarian Party, the Green Party, suing the uh, election commission, that's all because... think. Think, and for my fellow millennials, this this answer is kind of easy. Think of the last time you saw a third-party candidate on the stage, on the national uh, debate stage, when it's the Democratic nominee and the Republican nominee debating. Is there a third person up there? No, there's not a third person up there. You don't have any other choice except choice A or choice B. That's it. So in this case, in this election, to me at least anyway, and I'm sure it's to many other Americans as well, it's it's looking to be right now between choice suck and choice suck. And the whole, like, it's created this volatile, completely volatile uh, mind among everybody. It's either 
you're going to let Donald Trump take the presidency or you're going to let Hillary Clinton take the presidency? I, no. That's I don't I do not subscribe. I do not choose. I will not be forced to pick between shady slimy businessman or shady slimy politician this time. I'm not. Look, if Bernie Sanders were the nominee, I'm still not voting for Sanders. And I will go into a spiel about why probably some other episode, not this episode. I'm going to keep this episode on the shorter side today. But uh, even if it's Sanders, Sanders is at least genuine standing up there. He's a panderer. He's, he's hooking you up with juicy words and phrases and ideas that just aren't going to get pushed through. Let's swap focus to Bernie Sanders, in fact. Because I've had people challenge me saying, well, Bernie's not a panderer. Yes, he is. He is absolutely 100% pandering to you. One of my good, one of my good friends actually posted a meme uh, of Bernie Sanders that said, it, well, it's not about free stuff. It's about using taxes to, to uh, give us the things that we need. And that's the, if that's the angle, if that's the argument, then how come Bernie stands at the podium and says, free health care, free education, free, free, free. He's using a catchword. And if anybody's trying to deny the fact that he's using a catchword, please ask yourself if you're really being objective in this. That is a catchword. He's saying it because people hear it and go, oh my God, I love this guy. He's saying free. He's saying I don't have to worry about paying for it. I'm not arguing whether or not he's genuine about it. If, if there was a genuine candidate to stand up there and say, like, I want this for people, yeah, he's genuine, but ask yourselves this, people. I've said this before, too. You can't get your guy elected and expect that he can snap his fingers and things will just come. It doesn't happen. That's not what a president does. The president doesn't sit up there, snap his fingers, and make things happen. But I want to shift focus to the Democratic debate. I want to give Bernie some props, actually. Uh, Hillary Clinton actually challenged him and said uh, if everybody had voted the way he did, she believes the auto industry would have collapsed, taking 4 million jobs with it. And Bernie Sanders excellently defended it. Listen to this. We just had the best year that the auto industry has had in a long time. I voted to save the auto industry. He voted against the money that ended up saving the auto industry. I think that is a pretty big difference. Well, if you are talking about the Wall Street bailout, where some of your friends destroyed this economy, you know, excuse me, I'm talking. Let him respond. story you tell yours. I will. Your story is for voting for every disastrous trade agreement and voting for corporate America. The Bush administration negotiated the deal. Were there things in it that I didn't like? Would I have done it differently? Absolutely. But was the auto bailout money in it, the $350 billion that was needed to begin the restructuring of the auto industry? Yes, it was. So when I talk about Senator Sanders being a one-issue candidate, I mean very clearly, you have to make hard choices when you're in positions of responsibility. The two senators from Michigan stood on the floor and said, we have to get this money released. I went with them, and I went with Barack Obama, 
You did not. If everybody had voted the way he did, I believe the auto industry would have collapsed, taking four million jobs with it. And that is the sad fact of business, if you ask me. First off, Bernie Sanders said right then, right there, there was stuff in this bill that he didn't agree with. And Hillary just sold herself out. If something's in a bill and you don't agree with it, this is why I hate. This is why I hate politics. This is the part where I hate politics. You hear me talk about it all the time. Now you're going to hear why I hate it. Because these bills, they're not simple bills. They're thousands of pages. They have hidden crap in them everywhere. If it was to bail out the auto industry, why wasn't it a separate auto industry bailout bill? Why wasn't that the only thing being addressed in it? It was addressing the banks. And guess what? A lot of us were saying they should sink. If you make bad business decisions and if it doesn't work out for you, that's the way of life. You fail. You crumble, you fail, you have to pick yourself up, you have to go at it again and learn from your mistakes, not get a bailout from the government. That might be an unpopular view, but that's just my view. The government shouldn't be handing out money to businesses to keep them afloat if they're mismanaging their money and they don't know what to do. That all boils down to good business practice and education. It's the same thing for us as people. I'm in debt. You know why I'm in debt? Because I bought into this whole scheme of I need to go to school and get my bachelor's degree. Education's going to be a big topic coming up because every time I hear it, I heard it at the debate. I heard it at the debate. It's all pushing towards we need to get people bachelor's degrees. We need to get people bachelor's degrees and we need to make college affordable. Well, we college isn't affordable because we created the system of you got to go, you got to go. Education keeps raising their prices. It's a business. They keep raising their prices. The government keeps providing financial aid. People keep going, not knowing what they want to do. They end up failing half the time. They can't keep themselves afloat. And then you get a bachelor's degree, and guess what? There isn't a job for you to get. That's the big problem with education. A bachelor's degree, if Bernie Sanders says a bachelor's degree is worthless, it's like a high school degree back in the day. We're pushing everybody to, to meet a status quo or to meet to, to meet a standard that is ever lowering. So what happens when everybody gets bachelors? What's stopping the process from needing everybody to get an advanced degree and then you know an, a master's degree? What's stopping this? That's my question. That's my fear over education reform is what's stopping it from happening again? It happened once, it happened again. What's stopping it from doing it another time? What's stopping it 10, 15, 20 years down the line that this rhetoric goes from everybody needs to get a bachelor's to everybody needs to get an advanced degree? There's people who have advanced degrees who are working jobs way lower than the advanced degree because they're not there. That's the focus that should be there. And Hillary Clinton's little spiel about that. Let's go into another clip from the Democratic debate that I want to rip into. I know some of the parents from Sandy Hook. I want people in this audience to think about what it must feel like to send off your first grader, little backpack maybe on his or her back, and then the next thing you hear is that somebody has come to that school using an automatic weapon, an AR-15, and murdered those children. Now... They are trying to prevent that from happening to any other family. 
And the best way to do that is to go right at the people. Senator when you Sanders. talk about corporate greed, the Hold gun it. manufacturers sell guns to make as much money as they can make. Senator Sanders. You know, I think it is a little bit... It is a little bit... Look, what happened at Sandy Hook, what happened in Michigan... What has happened far too often all over this country is a terrible, terrible tragedy. And we have got to do everything we can, as I mentioned a moment ago, to end these mass killings. But as I understand what your question is, and, and you know, you're not the only person whose heart was broken. I was there in the Senate when we learned about this killing. It is almost unspeakable to talk about some lunatic walking into a room. I mean, it is hard to even talk about. It. We all feel that way. But if, as I understand it, Anderson, and maybe I'm wrong, what you're really talking about is people saying, let's end gun manufacturing in America. That's the implications of that. We're going to, and I don't agree with that. We're going to move on. And on top of that, Hillary Clinton said gun manufacturers should be liable for mass shootings? What? Hold on. Do we hold, like, beer companies liable for liver disease? Do we hold... Uh, tobacco companies liable for cancer. <laughs> no. Wrong. We don't. Bernie Sanders made a perfect argument on this. And if you hate Bernie Sanders, I'm telling you, listen to the guy. Listen to people. Use reason because everybody says something good at some point. Maybe, hopefully, <laughs> if you if you look hard enough. But Bernie Sanders said, wait, 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 wait. You want to uh, punish uh, gun manufacturers if somebody legally passes a background check, buys a gun, and then decides to shoot up a place? <laughs> no. Government overreach, baby. Government overreach. I just find it a little bit ridiculous that you would want to hold gun manufacturers liable. I mean, yes, guns are weapons. Yes, guns can kill people. Yes, it's all that. It can also defend people. In the right hands of the right people, it has saved lives. I understand it's it's a very touchy subject, and there's multi-angles to it. But that whole debate and just, you know, I don't know how anybody's confident in any choice right now. I really don't. Uh, you know, maybe that'll become clearer to people when they, uh, when they, when it's down to two, well, let me correct myself, when it's down to three people on the stage vying for president with the libertarian candidate, hopefully Gary Johnson. Ah. Uh. Perfect timing. Let's switch focus to the Republicans, starting with Donald Trump. Oh, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Donald Trump's ridiculous statement of the week. I shocked you there, didn't I? I switched it up. It was different. Ooh. Fritz is learning tricks. Lightweight, okay, and I have said that, so I would like to take that back. He's really not that much of a lightweight. And as far as, and I have to say this, I have to say this, he hit my hands. Nobody has ever hit my hands. I've never heard of this one. Look at those hands. Are they small hands? And he referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you there's no problem. I guarantee you. Do you realize that you're probably the first person in American history, maybe even world history, to make a joke about your, you know what, on a debate stage? No, I only made a joke about my hands. I have very powerful hands. <laughs> yeah, you went a little further than Look that. Look at these hands. Aren't they beautiful? I have very powerful hands and large hands, relatively large hands. And a politician uh, was said I didn't have large hands. It's the first time anyone's ever said that one. 
so no, I, I think it was a very, I think it was a good moment. I've always had people say, Donald, you have the most beautiful hands. All about the hands. I mean, you know, but on the debate stage, on the national debate stage, he was talking about his dick. Mind you, Marco Rubio sparked it. And I agree, Marco Rubio has been an initiator, and Marco Rubio probably didn't make the best of decisions going that route, but that is what it is. Donald Trump didn't have to go, oh, I've got big hands, and I assure you there's nothing wrong downstairs, to follow it up in an interview. Oh, I was just talking about my hands. I was just talking about my hands. I don't know what anybody's talking about my dick for. I mean, without saying it. He's, isn't that so stupid? That's dumb. Really? That's what it boils down to. The presidency... the. The, the presidential debate substance boils down to how big one's Johnson is, or you could just vote for Gary Johnson. Did you like that segue? I hope so. But uh, sitting through the Republican debate, I mean, at least it's four guys now, but it really, after these uh, last primaries and everything, uh, uh, Ted Cruz is keeping up the pressure. Marco Rubio needs to drop out. Marco Rubio's trying to drag this out to Florida and win his home state, which isn't going to happen. That's not what the polls are suggesting, at least anyway. I know. I've said don't have credence in polls. Get, get off my back. Get off my back. I'm, I'm still working on this, all right? But Marco Rubio needs to drop out because if they don't want Trump to be in that hot seat, the only way to do it right now, the only foreseeable way to do it is for Rubio and Kasich to ditch this race because they're just sucking up votes now. All those votes will probably more than likely go to Ted Cruz, and then that dethrones Donald Trump. Ted Cruz wins the nomination. I'm still voting for Gary Johnson. I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I'm tired. I, I sincerely doubt that Cruz could do anything to win me over uh, to his side at this point. And that's just, you know, it's sometimes it's the way he talks. I mean, he's a, he's a lawyer. He's very, he's very precise. He's very argumentative. He keeps on talking. If you could maybe be a little bit more personable on that stage. He sounds so rehearsed, Is I think is the big problem with him. According to Glenn Beck, at least when Glenn interviewed him, uh, and this was months and months ago, uh, Ted Cruz said, you know, I have a very audiographic memory. If you say it, I can pretty much repeat it word for word. That's just how my head works. And sometimes that sounds like he's just either uh, a reading from flashcards or, or reading from, you know, cue cards, somebody holding up, you know, the dialogue for him. And, you know, maybe that's the case. I don't know. But something just strikes me as off about him. And then he usually goes into a tirade about uh, about religious liberties, and, and uh, he has the wrong approach. He talks about being a constitutional principle guide, and it's hard to do that when the Libertarian Party's sitting here and saying, you know, this is what we want to follow, and they hold up the Constitution and break it down and say, look, this doesn't say anything about against gay marriage. It doesn't. Nowhere in there does it say that. And it shouldn't say anything about it, according to the Libertarian Party. They say the government should be out of that. That's why I back it. So, I've talked about a host of topics today. Uh, very, very aired out, cleared my head. I hope, uh, hope you all had fun, this edition. Yeah, I'm cutting it short. I'm cutting it about 30 minutes. That's fine. It's perfectly fine. Sometimes it'll go 40, 50 minutes, or an hour, but today, 30 minutes. Uh, I usually open the show, though, talking about how my week went. I just want to say, I'm in an office space now. If it does it sound a little bit different, it might not. Um, I need to put up sound barriers. I need to, uh, there's not a lot in this room to uh, cancel out the echo. So, that's something I got to do. But I moved the computer into there. It's nice. I, I got my desk cleared off so I can have my computer uh, my wife's laptop, which I work off of, you know, I do like, it's, it's like a multitasking freak of a thing here. 
I do all the recording on the iMac. I'm on the MacBook looking up stories, reading the quotes and all that. And I, I pretty much write out my uh, transcript for the show on there. And then uh, I got a TV to integrate into this too. And there's going to be a way where I can directly record the sound. I've already I figured it out. I just couldn't do it for this episode. So next episode when we do sound bites and clips and stuff, it'll be direct from the audio. It'll be really cool. It'll sound awesome. Um, so yeah, it'll be great. It'll be wonderful. But thanks for tuning in, guys. It's been uh, it's been great. Hope you enjoyed it. Share it with your friends. You know, uh, as I always say, it's on Facebook. It's on Twitter. It's on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. The show's on SoundCloud. It's on iTunes. It's on Stitcher. It is on the Marshcast Network. If you're a podcaster and want your podcast hosted on Marshcast, shoot me a line wherever you are. Whether you're listening on email. Or you stumbled across it, you know, email me. It's fritzcastpodcast at gmail.com. Go ahead, send in the emails. I'm also opening up polls on uh, my fritzcastpodcast Gmail account drive. I'll be sharing the links out to that to get some more audience participation in this. Uh, but thanks, guys, for listening. Again, check out Gary Johnson. I'm, I'm serious. Give the guy a shot. And uh, give the Libertarian Party a shot. Get 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 Give a shot for liberty, more opportunity to stand on that stage. It shouldn't just be a Democrat and a Republican. And if it really boils down to who it looks like it's boiling down to, we deserve better than that. All right, guys. Tune in next week.